to light treason news, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. I'm just going to jump right into it, Meredith, because we got a lot to talk about today and we got places to be. I have aged like a decade since the last time we did an episode and so much shit has happened that I want to talk about. Huge week. This was a huge week. I mean, I guess we have to because we always prioritize laughing at our enemies on this show and anytime anything bad happens to them. Uh, Trump got indicted, everybody. (laughs) Which Uh was hilarious. Let me just say like, I I never want to yuck anybody's yum. And I'm really, uh, if you find positivity in this, if it makes you feel happy, I'm happy for you. I am still of the belief that this man is never going to go to jail. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he will. But I don't know. Like, as I said to Meredith, I'm like, anything that ruins this man's day is good news in my book. Yeah, I'm here for anything that makes him angry, that makes him frustrated, that increases the possibility that maybe he suffers some sort of stress in junk food induced uh-huh. stroke. I think uh, that would be wonderful. And it's just one of those things that it there needed to be movement on something. And we can argue over whether or not this will actually lead to a conviction. People can argue about all of these things because, oh, no, the norms, blah, 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 like, and all of that bullshit. But after everything that's been through and the slow walking and the complete inability for people to make him face consequences for the much more serious treasonous things he's done, I want to see this go that's forward. Of what is, and if they don't prove the case, they don't prove the case. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. okay. That, that's part of what's <laughs> so frustrating about this is this is the dumbest reason to indict him, which is like, yeah, he still broke the law with payments to Stormy Daniels, obviously, and that was illegal. But of all of the horrible, evil shit that administration did, and I like, I know the comparisons are so cliche, but it really is like, the Al Capone thing. It's like, oh, this is what they got him on? Like, holy shit, I guess. Good, but my God. Yeah, and I think that people arguing, oh, well, it's it, this case is probably really like weak. It's not good. Like, this should be a misdemeanor. Like, sorry. It still was something illegal. We like, oh, going so through this and seeing consequences. Trump is held accountable, but you let you don't care that Bill Clinton. I'm like, what are you talking about? I think every former president other than Jimmy Carter should be in prison. Every single one of them. Like yeah. people who are like, oh, but the Democrats, it's like, I don't know who you're talking to. Because every leftist I know is also like, yeah, if a Democratic president also breaks the law, they should also go to jail. Well, and I think People saying, oh, well, political opponents will, these are all things that I've seen. Political opponents or or the process will be politicized and people will get charged. And I'm like, have you been any, like, have you been awake for the last five, 10 years? Yeah, I don't know if I had anything else to say about the Trump thing other than like, obviously, I do hope he goes to prison eventually. I just don't believe that wealthy, powerful people in this country are ever held accountable for their actions. So sorry, that's how I feel. Right. And if just because something seems like it's not going to go our way, we still need to at least try. Well said. Yes. Give up because we know we can't 
get it, then what's the point of trying for any kind of accountability for anyone that does something bad? (laughs) Exactly. Well said. And I get very negative about that stuff, but yeah, you should always try, obviously. So, um, I, do we want to talk about Jonathan Majors? Uh, let's do a really quick one on this. Um, All I'll say about this is, is, um, the text messages that his legal team put out that supposedly show. So if, if you missed the story, I, I doubt anybody missed this, but Jonathan Majors, who's a huge, huge movie star right now, he's one of Marvel's biggest actors, um, was arrested for allegedly, um, beating up and choking his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, his legal team has denied he did anything uh, from the beginning. Obviously, we believe his girlfriend. Um, but then they were like, aha, his legal team. They're like, she's recount or she's um, retracted her initial statement. And furthermore, we have these text messages from her that are basically just like, I mean, my God, like domestic violence 101, like if you know anything about domestic violence victims, like it's heartbreaking to read her text messages, but his legal team put these out. Like it's proof that it never happened and that she took back the charges and therefore he's exonerated. And listen, I don't know who his legal team is. Apparently it's Jen Shaw's legal team, (laughs) which like should tell you a lot right there. But, uh, it, it looks really bad. Like, if you know anything about domestic violence, if you know anything about um, the dynamics between an abuser and um, a domestic violence victim, it's very much her being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I ran into your fist. You know, like, cl- like classic. I shouldn't have grabbed your phone. Yes. I'm so sorry. I mean, in a situation where they said this didn't happen the way that the news reports said, she was never... Haha, it proves she was never choked, except in it, it's clear that she was, she passed out and was injured. Something, something, something happened. And uh, check out these text messages. He didn't do it. It's like, oh, it's, it's so transparent. It's so dumb. Um, But obviously, like I wanted to say, you know, believe women when they say that these things happen. And also, um, much in the same way we were just talking about how some right wingers on Twitter are like, oh, so you want to hold Trump accountable, but not Clinton. I saw some people who were like, oh, you want to hold Jonathan Majors accountable, but not all of these other actors within the MCU who have also been accused of domestic violence. And I'm like, no, no, no. Get rid of those guys, too. You know, like, I understand that you can never remove the the racial component from these things. And it's like, is a black actor going to be held accountable when a white actor isn't? Yeah, like that that is obviously true, but regardless of who does it, if you beat up a woman, you don't get to be an MCU star, you know? Right. And this is upset. I mean, it's upsetting and disturbing and as many, you know, people know, uh strangulation is the number one indicator that somebody is going to murder yes. their partner. Yes. 
And in fact, if you are ever in a relationship where somebody chokes you, get out of the relationship immediately because, yeah, as Meredith said, it's the number one indicator that they will go on to kill you. So really, really scary. I mean, Jonathan Majors, we've all seen Jonathan Majors. He's a very, very strong dude, you know, like the idea of him choking somebody is really scary. And like, I I don't know, I feel really sick because like, I watch the Marvel films, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to watch this dude. Like, I I just feel like very upset by the whole thing. So, but I felt like we should say something because we review, you know, films that he's in. So I didn't want to not address it. It's also just, we've spent a lot of time making jokes about Ezra Miller and their disaster and how Warner Brothers is going to deal with the flash coming out. Uh, and so this is going to be another almost certainly super disturbing uh, exercise in how studios protect massive investments in stars who are allegedly extremely bad people. Yeah, it goes back to the whole not holding powerful people accountable, right? Like if you have yeah. Warner Brothers behind you, if you have Disney behind you, like they made those allegations go away real quick for Jonathan because he's got this incredibly powerful machine behind him that has all of the money, all of the power. And like, by the way, guys, it's really easy to manipulate text messages. Like he could delete all of his text messages on his side and like manipulate it. So I don't know, like the fanboys who immediately posted that shit, like, aha, I'm like, grow up, grow the fuck up. You know how this works. Like, Sorry if it shattered your little fantasy world, but, you know, acknowledge reality. Although I I have to say, I do have to give it up for the subreddit, Marvel's subreddit, because um, a lot of those fanboys were like, damn, this is fucked up. Like, they they didn't side with him. Yeah. So that's good. Um, But of course, there is that racial component where it's like, why aren't you siding with him? Like, do you know what I mean? Right, right. And there's been... So much going on in terms of people, you know, that so much of the Creed 3 press tour was related to people getting up in arms about how he wasn't displaying their preferred kind of black masculinity. And so it it does open up a lot of a lot of really distressing, um, dark, like, obviously, there's an enormous amount of shit happening here. And um, it is really upsetting, though, because what you were saying about he was talking a lot about toxic masculinity on the the press tour and it was great. Like it was a good conversation that, um, you know, he and Michael B. Jordan were having. And then man, like, listen, you gotta, you gotta listen to the rumblings when you hear them out there. And we started to hear rumblings about him and he, uh, Jonathan, uh, he does not have a good reputation. He, uh, um, has been described as a sociopath. Now that term is, thrown around a lot. So, you know, be cautious when accusing people of being a sociopath. But um, he apparently is deeply, deeply unpleasant to work with. And once I started to hear that, I was like, oh, God, because like people Mm -hmm. talk, you know, if you abuse people on set, that gets around. Yeah. Um, Can I do a hard pivot really quickly to something um, that I do want to bring up? Uh, People probably listening past, but uh, if you're listening Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday of this week, uh, up until April 4th, and you know literally anyone who's of voting age in the state of Wisconsin, 
please make them go vote in the Supreme Court election that is uh, where the final day of voting is Tuesday. Uh, It could have massive implications for like it could be the difference between a fair election actually having legitimate results in 2024 or not. So it's just really crucial. It's not just about the fact that the state of Wisconsin has a law from 1849 uh, banning abortion on the books. This is the balance of the Supreme Court from an incredibly conservative uh, majority to a more liberal majority and uh, could affect uh, collective bargaining rights, abortion, Medicaid funding, school funding, free speech, gerrymandering in the state. Uh, and if you've paid attention to elections, you know that Wisconsin is a, always ends up being really critical when it comes to the uh, electoral votes. So I'm really freaked out. There's a wonderful candidate. Things have been so ugly. The uh, a conservative group, the Wisconsin Manufacturers Council, put an ad out that misrepresented a rape case that Janet Protasiewicz, the liberal candidate, had um, had had presided over so badly that uh, they ended up having to pull it because the victim wow. in that case said uh, they completely misrepresented everything. They had been re-traumatizing her. She had zero say in oh my the God. content or its airing. They called her like 12 times before it went up just to say, we're doing this whether you like it or not. <sighs> Um, and on Friday, when there were tornado warnings all across the south of the state, the Wisconsin GOP sent out what looked like a fake emergency warning signal. What? Yeah. Oh my God. I, which is a violation of the law. Yeah, I would but, say so. Uh, Jesus. Fake warning, like with the warning siren, you know, like Holy when you're watching TV shit. and it goes, beep. yes. So, they're pulling out all the stops in the most unethical, disgusting ways. This is like um, Carl Rove's handbook. Yeah. Well, the conservative that's running was a advisor and legal representative for people who were trying to overturn the 2020. Well, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. And he's a whiny man, baby, who lost by 10 points in 2020 to a liberal candidate. And he's now running again. He's the worst. He's so incompetent. He's a terrible person. But um, there's millions of dollars dropping in. Anyway, just if there if for some reason, you know, someone who hasn't already voted We have same-day registration. It's possible. Please get the word out. We need every single person to vote that can. Well, Meredith, that is a very, very, very important um, election. And I have a similar story I want to get to about a very, very important trial. Um, Let's talk about Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Uh, Almost as important as Wisconsin's uh, Supreme Court election. Um, You know, uh, Honestly, all I wanted to say about this is, uh, so Gwyneth Paltrow was being sued by this doctor who alleged, who alleges that she's like crashed into him on a, a beginner ski slope. I thought they were on, on the bunny slope. I yeah. thought they were on like a black diamond course or something. Um, but no, on a, a bunny slope, she crashed into him and it caused like, according to him, brain damage and yeah, so now he can't enjoy wine tasting. So my first thing was, if I was part of his legal team, I would say, let's just frame it as brain damage and not that you can't taste wine anymore, because that will make <laughs> everyone hate you. And he was like, no, no, no. They need to know specifically I can't taste wine anymore. It's like, well, you're an asshole, dude. Nobody's going to care. Um, 
So he tried to sue her uh, unsuccessfully. She countersued. Uh, she wanted a dollar because, like, you know, as a fuck you. It was symbolic. Yeah. For wasting know, her time, she's like, I want a buck from you. So on her way out, this is all I wanted to talk about, really. On her way out, she leaned down and she said, I wish you well to him, which is the wasp equivalent of saying fuck you, which. It oh, it's more than that. It's like, I will, pl- I will applaud when you are mowed down. I'll spit on your grave. Yeah. 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 Um, But it was, it was just so in keeping with the rest of the trial. Like when this, her like different looks every day, because like Meredith and I talk about this a lot. Um, Succession is on right now and it's the final season. And I have always really admired the fact that Succession is one of the only shows to ever get rich people core, right? you know, like what rich people actually wear, because a lot yeah. of times, like it's sort of the CWification of rich people where they're always dressed like a little too designer, you know? Yeah. It's, it's garish. There's it's garish, a lot of yeah. stuff going on and that's just not how rich people dress. It's a, a capacious bag, if you will, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> people, yeah. They wear things like they wear Burberry. They wear, yes. wear stuff right off the runway as opposed to from designers who do things that are very plain and you've almost certainly never heard of because they are not available. Well, that's, like, they do that with Kendall. Like, us. like yeah. the sunglasses Kendall's wearing in the last episode are like specially made for him by Jeremy Strong has a whole backstory about it. Like an Italian designer specifically made them for Kendall. Like you, you <laughs> can't buy them. And I'm like, that's it though. That that's how rich people dress. Like he does have that exactly right. But so Gwyneth, much in that same vein, her looks in court were like, yeah, wealth, 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 wealth. And like, listen, I, we're all about class warfare on the show, you know, uh, heads in the guillotine, all that stuff. I am like obsessed with fashion. And I'm also obsessed with how very, very wealthy people dress because it is so understated like that. And that was like textbook 101, how she was dressing in court. Oh yeah. Somebody called it, uh, like, Torah teacher chic, or they've yes. been talking about the Torah teacher chic kind of that's the modesty of like rich dressing right now. So on point. Yes. Um, I also think it's worth mentioning that this doctor, when asked why he felt it was important to sue when oh my god, said, Well, if celebrities aren't held accountable for things like this, that's how you get um them stealing adrenochrome. Well, he said eating babies, right? Oh, I'm sorry, eating babies. Which is the same thing. So I was like, cool. Yeah. So he's QAnon on top of everything else. Um, and Gwyneth, to her credit, when he was saying that, like, didn't react. But I was just like, oh, yeah. my God. Um, yeah. So listen, we don't ever want to be in the position where we're rooting for Gwyneth Paltrow, especially when she is actively advocating for eating disorders. But in this case, in this one instance, it was very funny. Like, the the whole trial, the fact that she was never really in danger of anything happening to her. Um, and then at the end, her saying, I wish you well. I was just like, oh, chef's kiss, magnifique. It was beautiful. It was absolutely Oh, and beautiful. now now the doctor being like, I shouldn't have done this. I'm going to be on the internet forever. I was like, my brother in Christ, did you not know how the internet works? <laughs> I'm going to be on the internet forever. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's why she's... That's why she didn't let you do this without consequences because she didn't want to be on the internet yeah, forever. Yeah. Also, I mean, join the fucking club. We're all on the internet forever. Like I've had every bad take I've had since I was like 
fucking 18 years old on the internet. You know, like that's how the internet works. Um, welcome to the club, I guess. Um, so should we talk about pump rules? I think we should. Okay. So if you are not a Bravo head, uh, I'm sorry for the next segment, I guess, but Vanderpump Rules is a show on Bravo um, that was a spinoff of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Lisa Vanderpump. And Lisa Vanderpump is a restaurateur. She owns uh, several restaurants in California. And the show is about her staff uh, at Sur and all of the shenanigans they get up to. The show has been on air for like a decade, I think. Yeah, yeah, for like a decade. So I... Meredith, what's your background with the show? Because I've been watching since season one. I have, uh, I think I came in around season three, immediately caught up and then uh, wandered off when things started to get pretty boring. Yes. Um, but love, but yeah. uh, this, this has brought me roaring back. back. Yeah, I feel like that a lot of people and a lot of people are catching up on it who have never seen an episode, which is always very exciting. But um, very long story short, the reason I love Pump Rules is it's a cast of villains. There's absolutely no one who you can fully root for. They've all had a moment where they've done something incredibly fucked up. Um, Now, admittedly, a lot of that is these were a lot of people in their early 20s on a reality television show and they were drunk literally 24-7. So... I mean, I, I would have done terrible things too. So I'm not like, you know, they're, they're drunk, they're hot and they're working in the service industry in West Hollywood while trying to at least sort of break into the entertainment industry. And many of them are, and many of them are very dumb. So, so it's going to be that kind of show. And so the, you know, there's this big scandal now because there was one couple that had been in a relationship for nine years, got together because he, what the man had been cheating on his last girlfriend with this woman. Drama, and drama, now drama. Again. Yeah. yeah. Obsessed. But it is incredible. It's so incredible. And like the way this thing has blown up, like I was telling, I was getting my hair done, everybody. And I was talking to my hairdresser and she was like, this is like a big deal. And I'm like, it was in the New York times. Like the New York yeah. times wrote about it. Cause it was such a big fucking deal. And, like, the way it has been framed is, like, this sort of, like, feminist empowerment thing where, you know, uh, the woman who's involved in the, the she was cheated on by Tom Sandoval, her name's Ariana, she and uh, Katie, uh, who, oh, God, explaining these relationships is just, like, a, a, such a tangled web. But Katie basically married to a different Tom, Tom who Schwartz. is in business with. <laughs> The Tom Sandoval, yeah, you know Tom and Tom. There's two Toms, everybody. To tell you how obnoxious this whole thing is, and their their restaurant is called Tom Tom. Anyway, Tom, Tom. yeah, <laughs> and Sandy and Schwartz, which is like worse somehow. So Ariana and Katie, the women from these two jilted women, have like joined forces to open a sandwich shop and this sandwich shop has become like the symbol of feminism. Like I know mm-hmm. so many women who are buying merch from it and like are proudly wearing it. I'm like, I think it's so funny. Like, listen, like I don't think you should idolize anybody because ultimately everybody disappoints you eventually. Right. But like the fact that this has so much momentum and it has not like slowed down at all. Like people are so obsessed with it. It has completely taken over my for you page on TikTok. Like all I get now is pump rules gossip and I love it. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but this is also a time where as people who work enough in media, we know, you know, we do a lot of audio, you know, people in comedy, I know people who do, you know, TV. It's fascinating from a production standpoint. Mm. And I know that's a little bit like saying I read Playboy for the articles, but <laughs> no, it's true, it though. is so cool to think like this was all, this all happened after they had filmed, they were finishing up the season. They had all their arcs this broke, they had to immediately scramble to get back up and incorporate this in. So they've had like, people are seeing what's happening. And then within a few weeks, this will be airing and we get this whole new storyline. The The editors of Vanderpump Rules right now are doing the hardest job. Well, ever. let me say, let me, <laughs> I want to have your back on this because you're absolutely right. It's the editors. It's the producers too. The, produ- yeah, the producers yeah. are a character on reality television shows because they have to be. Um, but yeah, the, the, first of all, the team at Bravo is fucking amazing. Like none of them are compensated fairly, um, for what the, the amount of work they're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the pump rules team, just must have been losing their fucking minds when this broke because as Meredith said, they had their whole season arc laid out and Raquel, Rachel, excuse me. Oh, by the way, everybody, we found out Raquel's name is Rachel. Epic. Yeah. Um, they had like her, she was the hero of the season. Like the whole arc they had set up was that she finally stands up to the bullies, the mean girls in the group and becomes her own person and is stepping out of this toxic relationship she had with James. And it was like, supposed to be her season and then the scandal broke and they were like we have to go back and now she's the villain yeah like and that's incredible they like same footage they have to go back and now and they did it and it's like seeing it happen unfold now that we know everything is fascinating yeah and i it's kind of why it's fun to watch shows like this i mean there's there's big personalities there's the trash it's hot people fucking each other over but there's the fact that a cheating scandal in a show about people who love to cheat on each other <laughs> has completely blown up this universe and just utterly just seismically shifted how all of this is happening and going to they're going to war on their podcast they're going to war on tiktok they're posting mean things one of the other cast members immediately did a massive discount to bargain basement sell off the entire makeup collab she had done <laughs> with Rachel. Like there's epic pettiness happening while we wait for things to unfold. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these people are so dumb makes it even funny. Yes. And we have like collectively sadly spent so much time with them that like, I feel very invested. Cause like, I know all of their, relationship dynamics I know their friendships and how like some of them started as enemies and now they're friends and I'm like I'm in it dude and like someone recently said something that made so much sense to me where they're like we don't have soap operas anymore so this is our new soap opera and I was like yes like Mm -hmm. I used to watch days of our lives when I was in college with like the girls on my floor that was like our activity we did together And we were so into the storylines. And I'm like, yeah, nobody watches. I mean, for the most part, young people don't watch soap operas anymore. We watch. But they don't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's only like Young and the Restless in General Hospital. And I feel like, and I think Days is on still too, but like you, they don't, they barely exist. Right. And the fact that this has turned into a soap opera, not just because of the drama, but the fact that it requires the constant grind 
daily grind of keeping information coming. Yes. Yeah. It really does feel the same way where you're like, oh God, these guys are shooting 60 pages every day. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I used to think that the reason that women and like gay men were obsessed with this is we're just more emotionally intelligent in the sense that we're interested in like group dynamics and, and relationships. But I was talking to a, a straight male recently and he was like, no, no, we have that too in professional wrestling. And I was like, oh yeah, you do. So he's like, we do get it. That's so true. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they have the same thing, like decades and decades worth of backstory and like familial relationships. And like, if you get a straight guy going about like professional wrestling, like he'll, he'll talk a while. And like, they, these are characters that somebody's written, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually that's a really good moment to, uh, um, are you pivoting? Out- are you pivoting right now? No, no, no. I'm pivoting to shouting out, uh, Josie Reisman's new book, Ringmaster about, it's a story about Vince McMahon, professional wrestling and the way that it influences our culture. Uh, and, uh, Josie is a wonderful writer. The book got a great review in the New Yorker and, uh, Josie's written some really cool pieces about how, uh, like how wrestling influenced her sense of masculinity and then ultimately led her to come out as trans. Nice. Yeah. By the way, guys, I I don't want to be gendered when I talk about this stuff. Like I know straight men watch pump rules and I know like cis women like wrestling. So caveat, caveat, caveat. I'm speaking very generally. Just a good excuse to plug the book because I think it's really awesome. And I've really loved watching Josie like promote it and some of this stuff. Like it's just really cool. Yeah. So if, if you like that kind of drama and you know people who love wrestling, Definitely check out the book. For sure. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the reason I'm talking about this is if anybody else is obsessed with pump rules, um, I am open to you if you would like to talk about it. So I it's like literally all I've been thinking about. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> FYI, uh, Meredith, I know you wanted to talk about the Pope's Exorcist, which looks absolutely insane. So do you want to tell everyone what that is? Yeah, I don't even necessarily care about the movie so much. I just care about the fact that I keep seeing commercials for this movie the pope's exorcist it's a horror you know as you can imagine there is a guy who is like operates on orders from the pope to do exorcism (laughs) he's the hardcore exorcist Uh like the guy and this movie based on true you know true documents and stuff uh stars academy award winner the gladiator himself russell crowe and i just Obviously, he's doing it because he needs money, but it's so funny to me that he's in this absolute insane garbage uh, because normally when people do these money grabs in these trash films, especially when they're playing priests, they're in, you know, I, I like to think of them, they're in these like extremely fallow periods where you haven't thought and they've like drank themselves into to penury you know, I think a lot about famous actors from the 60s and 70s, uh, like Oliver Reed and Peter O'Toole, who both made some garbage horror movies. Oh, yeah. That were very much like this. And it's just so weird to me that Russell Crowe has gotten to that point in his career, like at the same time as Gladiator's sequel is getting, is like spooling up. <laughs> yeah, I, I was saying to you, like, I find the trajectory of his career fascinating. And I know a lot of it is just being like, 
a sad old alcoholic who was mean to people and they didn't want to work with him anymore, you know? Um, but <laughs> I don't know if I should have said that. Oh, whatever, whatever. I stand by it. Um, but he threw a phone at a, t- yeah. at a hotel concierge. He's abusive. The, He's like an yeah. abusive yeah. asshole and people didn't want to work with him anymore. So he fell off the radar basically. Uh, and yeah. also he didn't treat his craft seriously and didn't keep working the muscle and he started to suck in movies. Um, yeah. But if you want a good laugh, please go online and watch the trailer for the Pope's exorcist. Yeah. He's speaking in an incomprehensible Italian it's accent. So bad. He's got a huge beard. I saw the preview before John Wick for yesterday. I could not stop laughing. I'm just, I'm just so glad that there is some like this trash element of old Hollywood still getting made. You know, we can bitch about how we're not, so many movies aren't getting produced. Things are getting shelved. We don't, you know, there aren't mid budgets. It's all superheroes and, and IP. And then this, yeah, and <laughs> it's, like, we'll make the Pope's exorcist. It is just so fascinating to me. Anytime like someone has the entire world at their feet and they do like this, you know, where it's like Russell Crowe was the man for a while, you know, like he was in every big film. He was like the biggest star in Hollywood. And here we are. And I'm like, my God, you just like completely squandered all of your privilege. Yeah, it's it's wild. And also, you know, redemption arc, he might come back, you know, in a few years, who knows. But like, at least right now, I'm just like, breathtaking, breathtaking that we are here in this moment. Um, Yeah. So also just like props to the horror community and whoever put this out. It's the big Easter release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Very funny. Um, So I don't know. I have next on my list. I have the succession. you know, final season premiere. I think the main thing I wanted to say about it was I understand why people are sad that it's the last season. Personally, I really, really applaud the entire team for having a vision and sticking to it and not doing the very American thing of just running absolutely everything into the ground. Uh, I would rather see them go out on a high note. Yeah, I think that it's always really encouraging to see writers rooms and creators think deliberately about how they want a storyline to play and then mapping it and leaving it at that because trying to stretch something when you know what the arcs are going to be, it gets so frustrating. Well, we also, we already had that show and it was Veep, you know, and, and Veep was done really, really well, but Succession would have turned into Veep and we don't need another Veep. Let Succession be Succession. Jesse Armstrong had this vision from the beginning. He knew it was time to end it. And I really, really, really applaud him for sticking to his guns because you know, you know, they like backed a dump truck full of money onto his front lawn and were like, take this, please. Can we have another season? It is one of our most valuable assets on HBO. And he said, no. So yeah. that that's huge. I applaud him. Yes, same. I have I have no more to add there. I loved the season premiere and there's just it's they interview rich people. I mean, there's a visual, there's a joke about a obnoxious bag at a party 
the people capacious on the internet. The <laughs> ludicrously capacious. Bag. Ludicrously capacious. Yeah. Oh, so good. The writers interviewed a rich woman to ask her questions yeah. so that they could best figure out what kind of bag genius. And it's the perfect character should bring. I was telling <laughs> Meredith, I'm like, it could have been a Louis Vuitton bag. Uh, equally is identifiable across a room, right? But the, it's the fact that it's a fucking Burberry bag. It's like, yes, that is exactly the bag that it would be. And as you said, the reason they knew that is because they actually spoke to a wealthy woman. It's like, you can tell, you can tell with details like that. It's like, it's so carefully considered and specific. And like, uh, for all my improv heads out there, you know that the more specific a detail is in a scene, the better it is because it enriches the entire world. So the fact that it was a fucking Burberry bag and it was that Burberry bag, which is like slightly too big for a cocktail hour, you know? Yep. Um, so good. So good. Um, so I I feel slightly back. Oh, I should say, everybody, this is the last episode before I leave for Australia. So I am, we're going to be gone for a little bit, just FYI, but um, probably one week, I would assume. I am like so far behind on seeing movies because I've been trying to get ready for this trip. So do you want to talk about John Wick? Uh, I don't necessarily, I don't think I really do because it's exactly what you would expect. It's very long, but uh, you recommend it. I would recommend it. Yeah. I think um, it's really, really great. And honestly, Donnie Yen is so, so fucking good in the movie. Like, even if you're kind of over John Wick as a thing, there's a lot of Donnie Yen, you know, massively famous MMA fighter, action star in in Asia, has been in a lot of stuff. He was in Rogue One. uh, He's great. And, you know, he's wonderful. Um, and he gets to do a lot awesome. and wear great outfits and fight people with a sword cane. Ugh. Um, and Bill Skarsgård gets to play a mincing, whiny, fancy hot, boy. Hot, hot. And it works so well. I've seen people like, <laughs> I've seen people shouting out his wardrobe in it. And like, I, again, we love fashion. So I'm very excited to see all of his little outfits. Uh, I love him. I'm I glad, I'm so glad he's getting to do more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think my, my great joy was getting to watch him play a villain that wasn't a horror a villain. fucking clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not a scary clown. He's not like an evil, like creep. He's just a beautiful man. He's so hot. People forget how hot he is because he's always like, again, he's, you know, Pennywise. So he's in crazy amounts of makeup. But like, he's a scars guard. He's fucking hot. Yeah. So it's it's really fun. And anytime you get to watch a kind of like whiny, snivelly villain, I always enjoy that. Love it. Uh, It just makes me slightly, slightly gay coded or queer coded where it's like, wait a second. (laughs) But at the same time, you're like, oh, he's playing some sort of European royalty. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, of course he's going to be a little effeminate. Listen, <laughs> listen, I know it's a stereotype, but I want to reclaim a male, like, effeminate male villains in Disney because Scar is the greatest villain of all time. And I'm like, you can't take Scar from us, you know? Like, I, I fully support we should have queer representation of all kinds, but I'm like, we can still have the very charming snarky funny effeminate male villain well let's let's be real though if you can be amazing like bill skarsgård like jeremy irons there is an extremely masculine way to be true true oily you know it's like liquid gold yeah 
there's but room for everybody at the, at the villain table. There's room for everyone is what I'm saying. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's pull up some more chairs. Exactly. There. Uh, so yellow jackets had <gasps> its season premiere and I wanted to talk about that a little bit, obviously very excited to see all the girls back. I was a little hesitant because I don't know what's been going on with me, but like, I've had a hard time liking things recently. Like, uh, I was talking with you about Ted Lasso, how people like just don't care about Ted Lasso anymore. And I don't like this new season. Like I'm having a really hard time, um, summoning the will to watch it. And Mm -hmm. I was a little nervous that I was going to have that with yellow jackets. And let me tell you, not an issue. I was like, so hard back into it immediately. Oh yeah. I also think that that's because this is a show that's made by weirdos for weirdos and it's by weirdos for weirdos who have, I mean, if you were a teenage girl at any point in the 90s, you'll watch this and say, Oh, right. This is perfect. There was a, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a moment in one of the new episodes where there's a caboodle makeup case And I had a visceral reaction when I saw it. I was like, because we all had one, you know, we all had one. one. And I was just like, I like gasped because the details are, again, the details, it's all in the details, guys. Guys, if you're around 40 years old and you're a woman, these needle drops are like sending me, you know, like it's so good. It's so good. And it's so specific. Um, and yeah, every single casting decision, when they announced Elijah Wood, I was like, man, you have us read to filth. <laughs> to filth. Of course it's Elijah Woods. I was like, oh, 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 right. Like the only thing they could do that would be more on the nose is find something for Devin Sawa to do. You know they're going to do it. You know they had a, <laughs> they like, he took a phone call with them at some point, for sure, for sure. But they're like, I don't know. I mean, you don't look like Casper anymore. <laughs> so it's kind of tough, but oh. We'd still I love mean, to see you, Devin. We'd still love to see you. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I am, I am here for it. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board. I'm completely, I'm like listening to music that I was a huge fan of in 1997. I'm, you know, dancing around to Tori Amos again. Like these are just, it, it hits so hard and it's a brutal, unbelievably dark show. Oh my God. It's so dark. Like there's at least one moment every episode where I'm like, what the fuck? And like, I have such a high threshold for that shit. And I'm still like, this is a fucked up show. In, yeah. in like the best possible way, like they're pushing boundaries. I know. And and I think that's part of why people love it so much. But also, this is clearly a set of creators working with a team that is determined to tell a specific story and thinking very deliberately about how to unspool it in a way that works and doesn't lose sight of the fact that there are really well-drawn relationships between these girls that... And then later women that like deserve to breathe and have respect. Yeah. And it's like an incredible balancing act to watch something that has those relationships and also has a like a rip roaring story that you're desperate to see the next 
step of. And it's so because usually those things one comes at the expense of the other. And it's so nice to hear the creators and the writers talk about these characters because you can tell, first of all, they really, really, really care about this show and they care about the dynamics between the girls, but it's also like, and the women, but it's also like, uh, it's so pathetically rare that there's a show like that. And when you see it done well, at least for me, it makes me furious because I'm like, we can do this. Like, this is a cast of like, I don't even know how many women are in this show. I've lost count. There are so many, you know, like we have blown past the Bechtel test into some other universe because there are so many women on this show. And there's so many rich relationships between the women, different kinds of relationships. It really, 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 really understands women. And it's so entertaining. And it's like, well, it can be done, Hollywood. Look how, like, they, they're they doing it. But why is it still so rare? Yeah, it's incredible. And it it is another big endorsement of finding, you know, not being afraid to cast people who are... somehow marginalized. I mean, there are queer women, there are non-binary people on the show playing these characters who are queer, who are like, you know, who are, and they're out and they're proud. And, and it's a show about fucking soccer. So like, but is it, but is it, it's like tangentially about soccer, but it's like, well, it is, there are people on a soccer team. If they had not had lesbians on on the team. Yeah, true. Come the fuck. Not up. realistic in the slightest. In <laughs> fact, there should be way more gay people. Um, but statistically, there should be. Yeah. But I, yeah. I like. Although they are in high school, so we just don't know how many of them. True, came out later. true, true, true. Um, yeah. I don't want to. Or obviously, would it come out if they didn't get eaten? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I was about to say uh, no spoilers, but I guess that's not a spoiler. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. I will say the one note I have is in. Uh, the second season, they're starting to fuck with our perception of reality a lot, which mm-hmm. I like. But also there's been a couple moments where I feel completely unmoored. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want it to get too supernatural, you know? Yeah, I think that that's a really, that's a really good Because I think it. what makes it really special is the fact that we have those elements, but it's so grounded. And... um there's one storyline where there's a character who really you can't trust anything that she's seeing and that's starting to get a little old. Right. And I think I'm hoping that the show does work on navigating this, you know, the challenges of, of like people are dissociating, people are mentally you know, having problems. And so there's lots of space for, mass delusion or, or, or these kinds of things. But I do, it's hard because yeah, there, if, if it starts to feel too much like, oh, this stuff is actually happening, then it does lose its power. Yeah. And they've done a good job, like, um, you know, in terms of explaining the collective hallucination, hallucination stuff, like why it's happening, like, you know, drugs were taken or something like that. So it's still grounded in that respect. But, um, yeah, like, again, that's such a nitpicky note because, Thus far, I'm really, really enjoying it. And listen, are there moments where I question what a character is doing um, in terms of like trying to avoid arrest or the police? And I'm like, are we being as smart as we could be right now? Of course. But like, 
I don't know. In in the same way I would watch a soap opera, I'm like, I love this show so much that I'm just like, I'm trusting them, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm on board. I'm yeah, watching it as course. it happens. These are things that I don't normally do. Exactly. Yeah. Great point. Like, when was the last time you watched something week to week? Yeah. yeah. And at this point, I'm watching Succession and Yellow Jackets week, week to, week. to week. Yeah, I know. And oh, man, Barry's going to end soon. Guys, there's a lot of great shows that are coming to an end and it's sort of like it's exciting because it's like what's next but yeah a lot of these like hbo must be um concerned right now yeah i can imagine uh, um i don't really have anything else i want to plug i feel like there was a lot of things that we could organically work into the show that uh covered the basis of recommendations and also stuff that seemed worth just exploring a little bit yeah the only other thing i have is uh, speaking of shows ending, Servant just ended on Apple Plus, and uh, it, I mostly really, really enjoyed Servant, and I recommend it, and don't let the M. Night Shyamalan of it all scare you off. It was not written by him. Um, and there is, and, and this is in the spirit of M. Night Shyamalan, a fucking twist at the last minute of this series that I, I shouted guys, I shouted. It was, it's very good. It's completely earned. And I thought it was a bomb ending. So I do recommend servant. An M night Shyamalan property with a, a well-earned yeah. twist. That he, didn't, he didn't write it. So I'm like, can he really claim that? But I, I, first of all, I was like, of course there's a fucking twist at the end of this. But then also it was really, really good. And I like got chills. I was like, beautiful, beautiful. So very cool. Yeah, I do. Right. It, it is an uneven show and there are absolutely ridiculous moments, but they lean in, lean into it so hard. And again, like if you're on board, you're on board. So you'll know in the first episode if it's for you or not. Cool. So yeah. Um, I guess we can end it there. I guys, I literally have no idea how long this episode is because we had so many technical difficulties. But you know, whatever, we'll be loosey goosey with it. Please follow Meredith on all the socials at Meredith L. Clark. Follow me at Allison Kilkenny on all the socials. Follow the podcast at Light Trees and Pod. If you are a fan of the show, if you like what we're doing, if you want to keep us going, go to Patreon.com/slash. Allison Kilkenny. It's just my name. And for as little as $5 a month, you, you keep the lights on. I could pay Meredith all the good stuff, hosting fees, all of that stuff. Everything costs money, guys. You have no idea. Um, and as always, thank you for the ongoing support. I, once again, I'll be in Australia, so might take a week off. FYI, we will take a week off. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, Hashtag light trees and pod. If you have any recommendations, any thoughts, want to talk about pump rules, <laughs> anything like that, <laughs> we're available. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>